Hello, hello. Welcome back to Movies with Kane and Tal. I'm a little bit nervous doing my intro today. I'm in my sister's daughter's bedroom while she's folding the clothes. She's standing right behind me and I'm like a little bit freaked out about the whole thing. Um, but anyway, moving right along. We've got a great lineup for you today. We're doing the old sci-fi. Um, I hesitate to use the word classic because I don't really consider this a classic film, but a very well-known sci-fi film from the 90s, probably the first time virtual reality was used in a film. So we're talking Lawnmower Man and a new Australian film, uh, sci-fi film called Necrotronic. Just before we start, though, firstly, I'd love to give a shout-out to Katie Ben from the States who left this awesome review on our show and I've only just figured out how to get our reviews from other countries other than Australia. She said, I love this show and how it lets me dive back into old movies I once adored and now get to enjoy again. Well, thank you, Katie. We love you. Also, I'd like to do a little shout out to a fellow podcast friend of mine whose show I love and I'm going to play a little promo for his show now so that if you, it sounds like something you'd be interested in listening to, you can pop on over there and have a listen to him. So here we go. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, including CEOs of businesses, psychologists, authors, musicians, travellers, people suffering with physical and mental illnesses, and everyone in between. Where we speak about a large variety of topics, including music and movies and pop culture, but also some more controversial topics, including drug reform, political correctness, and many more. No subject is off limits. You can find us on all the usual podcast places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And you can follow us on all the usual social media places. And to be clear, I don't expect everyone listening to enjoy every episode of my show. What I do think is that due to the wide variety of guests and topics, that there'll be at least one episode that each person listening will enjoy. So if you still appreciate the art of conversation and want to hear honest conversations with interesting people, then be sure to check out Genuine Chit Chat in all the usual places. So definitely, definitely check that one out. It's really uh, easy listening and fun and I really enjoy it. Totally recommend. Okay, what I'm going to do first before Kane and I get stuck into talking about these movies, I'm just going to play you the trailer from Lawnmower Man, 1992. From the imagination comes the story of a man... Go. Come on, boy, let's go. Grass is waiting for you. With the mind of a child. Yeah, Cybo Man, he came to see me. Cybo Man, comics, right? Yeah, Cybo Man. <laughs> and a doctor. Virtual reality holds a key to the evolution of the human mind. With a vision of the future. I have a game in my house that you might like to play. Would you like that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> really bad. I have different games. I even have one that could help make you smarter. Now, ah! Job Smith is about to enter the world of virtual reality. Ah, so I was about to start this with what up, what up, but I realized we've done the rap one. Yeah, the yeah. hip-hop one's over. We're in, um, we're in weird virtual reality slash... Yes, we're in... Peak 90s sci-fi territory <laughs> oh, with this God. one. Yeah. We're talking about that all-time 
thing that some people might remember because Stephen King sued the people who made it. Is that right? What well, what well, well, see, well, well, see, that's the thing. When we're talking about the Lawnmower Man, yes, okay. Sorry. And when that first <laughs> came out, it said it was advertised as based on a story by Stephen King. Yes. Except here's the thing. All right, the actual movie Lawnmower Man is very '90s virtual reality, you know, some cyberpunk sort of thing. Whereas the actual Stephen King story was about a worshipper of the god Pan. And How is that even? Well, that's that's the thing. <laughs> um, they apparently just slapped the Lawnmower Man name onto an, an a script that already existed, and Stephen King did not appreciate being attached to stuff like this, and he. I'm not surprised. And, and, he, and he tried to and he tried successfully to sue the filmmakers to get his name off of it. Oh well, in the director's cuts that we watched on YouTube, it still said Stephen King. Well. Yeah. <laughs> you can't trust anything that goes up on YouTube. <laughs> well, well, yeah, admittedly that is part of it. but And it is such a product of its time because, like, admittedly I was barely an infant when all this was going on. Like, this was this very easily could have been before my time. but Yeah, dude, it's 92. Not, okay, so... Before you were born. So, so, so not even a twinkle in me dad's eye. Not even. So this was around the time that the internet was first starting to gain some ground and people thought they knew what it was like, but... Exactly, and that's very crucial. It's a very crucial point in this because... In general, most people had probably never even seen a computer at that yeah. point. Okay, when I was twelve, we had I think one computer in our school, but most adults wouldn't have used a computer at work. There was no mobile phones. Man, things have changed. Right? <laughs> Seriously, so you're not you're looking at a film that's not just about computers and the internet, but about virtual reality, which was a completely unknown concept to most moviegoers. They would have just been And to people who made films because... Sorry. (laughs) And people who made films most likely because every time this comes up, it's always like this idea of just like, oh, you know, we're all going to be living in virtual reality. It's going to overtake our actual reality, which... Well, did he he mention the date 2001? I'm pretty sure he said something about by 2001, (laughs) something was going to have happened. Yeah, it's just... and. What I find really interesting about all of that is that it it, it feels like a justification for the film is, or at least the director's cut, which we both watched, what mm. that was actually going for, which I, it's almost like a superhero movie in its own way, because like with the opening of him finding the monkey, which not in the theatrical cut, that was one of the, the, fir- one of the first major changes between the okay. two. And then going like, so we'll oh. have to. We, sh- we should clarify this here. So we watched the director's cut because we were having trouble finding it, and you found that online. And you just mentioned to me before that the what most people would have seen at the cinema or on DVD back in the day is very different to what we watched. There's something like 30, 40 minutes of oh, different wow. of different material in there. So yeah. And Why did you do that to me? <laughs> well, he, he, well, first off, it was the first version I, I managed to find. <laughs> But also, but also because I have to admit, knowing the differences between the two, I really get the feeling, even though it is a lot longer, mm. I honestly think we got the better deal mm. watching the director's cut because the uh, because the bits that are added into it honestly like added to the story of Job, like the right. beginning with him, you know, saying, "Oh, Cyberman," 
which kind of like gives another twist to Lawnmower Man. Like that's his superhero identity and like him being really into comic books and especially the scenes with the priest, which definitely would have factored into this is how Job, this is what Job thinks God is like, what his influence is like, which definitely factors into a lot of what comes next. So if you didn't have those priest scenes and you didn't know that kind of background about him so much, then the theatrical version isn't going to make as much sense to you? I I, I, I think that would definitely be part of it, but also it would just be weaker because with the theatrical cut, to my understanding, it focuses a lot more on, you know, the thing with um, Dr. Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just pause and just do that again? Um, Dr. (laughs) Pierce Brosnan. With it. With an earring. Yeah, like, Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> like, his early American phase, like, between this and playing the vi- one of the villains in Mrs. Doubtfire... I was going to say, Mrs. Doubtfire! ...was a very weird time for the guy. Like, he was clearly just trying to make his mark, um, which he eventually would with, you know, becoming James Bond, but... Um, before, like, <laughs> period after, like, the UK just went, like, uh, we're kind of done with you now. And the thing with James Bond, he, he took some weird turns, and this is definitely one of the weirder ones. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop laughing. Let me just compose myself for a second. It was jarring. It is. <laughs> it really is. Like, Sorry, Piers. I actually really like him in general as an actor, but this was, anyway, go on. Uh, yeah, it's just... And the whole thing of, um, like, he becomes, I guess, like, with how, un- with Unbreakable, it was like the mentor became, you know, the antagonist. Uh, it Maybe it was going for a similar sort of thing in terms of, you know, like, you know, this is the guy who, you know, opened his mind, allowed him to become, well, a god, basically. And that's what the ending is. It's him, like, gaining mm. omnipotence. Like, he is everywhere, mm. which mm. is a very, like bizarre kind of way of looking uh, well uh, a bizarre way to end it quite frankly because it feels like it's stuck between like being a very left field superhero movie in terms of like you know the you know the tortured soul mm. who, who gains on you know inhuman powers mm-hmm. and decides to you know make me you know like take revenge basically i feel like that should have been pretty obvious but i didn't even pick up on that but go on <laughs> yeah and on the other end you've got all the virtual reality shit in terms of him becoming a god or at the very least what he understands god to be because his only interactions with the word of god comes from that utter douchebag of a priest a bit of a sadist in a way wasn't he well yeah but then again from what i can tell sadism and Well, I was about to say, like, you know, sadism and Christianity slash Catholicism, well, we've all seen Da Vinci Code. We know how that turns out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh, look, I... Is it a... Was it? Were they trying to go for a modern-day morality tale? Like... Well, here's the thing, like... And and this is, um, like, I've gone into why us watching the director's cut was a good thing. Now I'm going to get into why it's a bad thing. Okay. Because while <laughs> it's... Direct- it was two hours and 20 minutes. Well, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of longer movies, so I totally get your point <laughs> there. But my thing is that because we got, you know, a- you know, added scenes to bulk up the backstory of Job, and mm. it definitely does help explain why he turned out the way he did when he started, like, learning everything... Mm. It also shows just how much the film doesn't 
do as much justice to those ideas as I could have because around the halfway point of the, direct, of the director's cut, the script starts to unravel entirely and it gets to the point where it's like whatever morality tale we, you know, yeah. morality angle we could have gone with, this completely goes out the window because it's clear that the film does not care. Yes, it was weird. And I read that the, the virtual reality scenes was actual virtual reality technology that was available at the time. So there wasn't, like, some kind of... Does that include effects. the woman literally being fucked unconscious and, and comatose? Oh God, yeah, I... That was... Yeah. That is, like... That, 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 that's what I mean by peak 90s sci-fi. Just, like, we have this technology, we don't really understand how it works, and the way that a lot of filmmakers try to, like, wrap their heads around it and figure out, like, the possibilities of it resulted in very strange ideas of how these things worked. You're which, exactly right. Which includes the melting, the, the liquid metal virtual reality sex scene where I never really thought that the terms fucking someone's brains out could be that <laughs> fitting. It, it's so weird. And, and I didn't even, like, then she came out of it and, and that's when, you know, everything sort of started to fall apart in terms of he starts damaging everybody around him. But I didn't even, like, was she just lying on the bed laughing? Like, I didn't, it was so weirdly kind of... Yeah, it's, it's just like... It's washed over? Yeah, it's just like, in terms of her, like, you know, the... And then he just went, oh, well. <laughs> well, well what was he <laughs> like? I actually, I actually had to, like, look up what exactly happened to her because all yes. I knew was, like, did she just go crazy? And then I looked into it and it's like, oh, uh, okay, that does kind of make sense. Would have helped if they like got into it a little bit more. And again, that's part of the problem with the film itself. It presents a lot of really cool ideas, but by the end of it, you feel like, well, you had them. You didn't really know what. It's like virtual reality itself. You had this thing that could have been really <laughs> cool, but you really didn't understand it and did not know how to deal with it properly. Although, here's the thing mm. I've seen parts of. This film's sequel. Oh no! There's a sequel. Yeah. Um. Have you ever heard of Max Headroom? No. All right. Okay. Well, the actor from that, um, Matt Frewer, he plays Jeff Fahey's role. Right. In in the sequel, and rather than being like you know this really, um, is it know, a remake or a sequel? It's a sequel oh. and a really weird one because what? <laughs> where, what, 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 what? Even weirder because here's the thing. Whereas in the original, he's like you know this megalomaniac, you know scorned possibly autistic person mm, mm. that, you know, gets revenge on everyone. In the sequel, Job's War, he's essentially playing Jim Carrey's Riddler. Oh, gosh. It's just like, and this is an actual quote from the movie, Job talking to someone else. And he's being like, <laughs> and out of nowhere, he says, incest, the game the whole family can play. My brother's my daddy. No reason for it. Whoa. So you can understand why I am quite disappointed in Lawn in the first Lawnmower Man, but I know how much worse it gets <laughs> afterwards. I think they're making a series now. Uh, I Did really, you hear that? I hope. Uh, the only thing I've heard about in terms of it going past whatever the flaming dumpster fire that Job's War was was <laughs> apparently the producers of the original film got in contact with Grant Morrison, who among being a musician and, you know, a um, bit of an outsider artist, 
a guy who practices legit magic, mm-hmm. as far as he's concerned, mm-hmm. is also a comic book writer who would do, among other things, a quite brilliant run on X-Men. Mm-hmm. And he basically, like, set up the idea where he was going to do, um, like, Forlorn Mo Man 3, which... I'm kind of thankful never came around. Mm. He was going to kind of do it like, you know, a teenagers with superpowers idea, kind of like Job's superheroes supplanted into like a newer generation kind of thing, which even knowing how bug fuck the sequel went, maybe it's because I fucking love Grant Morrison's writing. Like as far as, su- like he knows his superhero shit. He is like one of the best of all time. I kind of want to see that movie. Well, this is what it always comes down to, right? You can take a great idea, a great premise, uh, something that hasn't been done before. Let's make a film about virtual reality that virtually nobody knows or understands anything about. But if you can't back it up with good writing, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. You're completely fucked and you end up with a movie like Law and Mama Man which has all this kind of, like you said, these seeds of kind of good ideas but nothing properly developed and so much going on so convoluted and so but then just washing over half of this stuff and you're just like what i didn't even really understand what happened here the only bit that i kind of enjoyed which i just thought was kind of hilarious is when the officers started just breaking up into little like bits of nothing and then exploding that was that i was like Oh, that's kind of cool for 92. I'm pretty sure people would have enjoyed that. Yes, and like, how to put it, you are definitely right in terms of the writing because as much as I will happily rag on what the 90s thought virtual reality was like, <laughs> it's not as if you really need, like, practical technology in a film like this. Like, let's take The Matrix, for yeah. example. Like, the actual technology involving The Matrix and turning humans into batteries is fucking stupid. And and I say this as someone who absolutely loves that movie. Like, if you think about it practically, The Matrix is one of the most inefficient means of power (laughs) that has ever been seen in a mainstream film. But because the writing was that dense and everything else around it worked, it... It, like, one of the oldest rules when it comes to writing science fiction is that you have one thing that cannot possibly exist, one impossible thing, but you surround it with so many things that are actually plausible that the one that impossible thing it. doesn't become an issue. Exactly. The Matrix did that. Yep. The Lone No Man did not. didn't. No. And what really frustrates me is that I was expecting a complete train wreck watching it. But I'm genuinely disappointed with it because I actually really like those kind of subversive sort of superhero takes. Like Absolutely. And in terms of just like looking at how, you know, technology can turn us into something more than human, mm. that's very cyberpunk. That's very... It's totally cool. Core, it's like one of the, you know, one well, of the shining things that made 90s cyberpunk so good because it actually went into... You know, we have access to unlimited technology and we can use it to become something better. Yeah. And then you do have these great morality plays that have come out of that whole thing. You know, do we use this technology for good? Do we use this technology for evil? And what happens when we make these decisions? And they are great stories. You can you can write great stories from that. But they didn't write a great story. Yeah. They had just a great concept, wrote a shit story and put together a mediocre film. And it's just like, yeah. yeah. And, and in all honesty, like, at, at, like I said, uh, um, once it reaches the halfway point, 
it stops being like the kind of film I could really get behind mm. and starts becoming what I was worried it was going to be from the start. Yeah, I started pressing the and screen and going, how many more minutes of this do I have to endure? <laughs> yeah, and it, man, it, it really just goes to show that, like, if there's anything worse than an all-out bad movie, it's one that could have been good but wasn't. That is, that's the sting, isn't it? Yeah. When you go, this could have been something, and that is a great lead-in, I'm getting good at this, these segues, into... The next film we're going to discuss... All right, so let's quickly set the scene. It's nearly two decades later. Virtual reality... Nearly? No, we're talking 92... Nearly three. Nearly... Nearly 30 years Nearly 30 years. Virtual reality has not only become a reality, it's become so mass-produced, I could literally go up to the mall and buy a VR headset right now. Things have certainly changed. <laughs> and from the creators of Wormwood Road of the Dead, a.k.a. Mad Max, where all the cars are fueled by zombie breath, still one of the crackiest ideas I've seen come out of Australia, <laughs> we have Necrotronic, a film that also feels like it was born out of the 90s understanding of technology. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Can you speak? Yes. So I'm going to pause us here so that we can listen to the trailer for Necrotronic. Go. You sound like the start of that Tupac song. <laughs> what Tupac song? Um, Let them have it, but the remix. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Here we go. Let's, let's, let's test that theory, shall we? Quiero, quiero, quiero coger. Right, enough of that. Necrotronic trailer. What are you watching? It's a donkey trying to have sex with a phone box. It's pretty funny. Why would you watch that? Why wouldn't you watch that? You dickheads are gonna have to take dad shit. We just come off a 17 hour shift. We haven't even slept yet. Do you want to play a game that will change your world forever? Hell yeah. Downloading now. Dude, what's wrong with you? Howie! Howie! What did you do to me? Escape to hospital. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Howard, you're a necromancer. You're a demon hunter. Like us. Come again. One of the things I love when it comes to genre films is how the simple act of describing what's on screen makes you sound like you've gone insane. <laughs> like, demons have found their way into the internet and they are able to possess people through their smartphones. So a team of demon hunters get together, download these demons, 3D print them in a massive <laughs> vat, and then blast them with Ghostbusters guns. Oh my god, okay, so this is... This is so, that is so hilarious because I read that almost exact verbatim, you know, little blurb of the film and went, oh, God, Kane, what have you gotten me into? 
And then I watched it. And I really, I was like, you need to find a new way of describing this film because it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't translate. I loved it so much. Yeah. I loved it. It was so good. I, I was jumping up and down on the couch. I said to my husband, I haven't watched a film this good for so long. It's so fucking hilarious. It is. It really <laughs> it, is. It's just like so Australian and so off the wall and and they just, I think they just nailed it. And I think that their blurb is, is um, turning, might potentially be turning people off. But anyway, go on, go on. All right, so basically Necrotronic does for, you know, 80s and 90s you know, blockbuster sci-fi what Wormwood did for zombie films. It basically takes a bunch of different elements from mm. the keeps of the films. Like there's definitely some Matrix in here, right down to Monica Belushi as the dangerously alluring villain slash mother slash batshit crazy woman. <laughs> there's, bit, there's bits of Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. in there. I, they, they were the two films that I said, it's Matrix meets Ghostbusters, and then after I finished watching the film, I did a little internet search, and, and the, one of the first things that came up was someone said, it's Matrix meets Ghostbusters. Yeah, and there might be elements of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in there because that, that show um, had like quite a few memorable moments when it came to mixing like occult magic and demons and all this, you know, mythology with modern day technology with like techno pagans and stuff like that, which is most certainly what we get in here. Definitely. And, and that's so cool. And absolutely all of the 90s stuff like Law and Man that was all about virtual reality, except it's not virtual reality we're getting here. It's augmented reality. Thank you. Yes. Through the um, through the smartphone app that people think is just a game, but is actually a connection to real demons, which I don't know how else to say this. The idea that the internet can turn people into monsters, I've spent enough time on social media to know that that's <laughs> alarmingly accurate. <laughs> it is so true. Yeah. There was a lot said in this film, you know, subtly. You know, the scenes where people are just walking around. And, I mean, this has been done a thousand times. Artists are using this as a, you know an indictment on our society at the moment. We are so obsessed you know, and the Kiwi guy just looking at his phone all the time. Oh, 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 oh yeah, the go- oh yeah, the ghost best friend of the chosen one who's in the lead. <laughs> so Again, so very Matrix. Very Matrix, and and it's true, you know. In it, it, but instead of trying to kind of ram it down our throats, and instead of trying to push that whole morality kind of thing on us, it was almost a comedy. Um, it, it totally is. <laughs> it totally is. Well, not not like a, I guess, not a, a good comedy, not like a slapstick comedy. They weren't, no, it wasn't quite Ghostbusters comedy. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it was, it, it's it, been it, more sophisticated than that is what I think I'm trying uh, to say. I, <laughs> I'd say it's like, it's profoundly silly. It or, is. Like, it's the kind of thing where it's like, and again, like I've seen Wormwood. I went to a Q&A screening. Oh, wow. I got to ask the director some questions and I'm like hearing what they said. It really came across that they were focusing just on, like, rule of cool. Like, does this look silly and fun? We'll use it. We'll worry about justifying it later. We'll, <laughs> we need to use this. And, yeah, there's definitely some of that in here, but it definitely felt like there was at least, like, a through line, like, you know, connecting things together, especially with the explanations that we get for how they trap ghosts, which 
while profoundly ludicrous, like again, it's a giant vat of biomass <laughs> where they literally 3D print demons. So just for the sole purpose of killing them off. It's just brilliant. It, it, it is brilliant. <laughs> and it's just like, it feels a little like, um, basically doing the same thing that, you know, Quentin Tarantino and Edgar Wright have made their whole careers on, like making this meatloaf of like all these different things from other movies, but putting enough of their own spin on it to actually make it their own, which is oddly fitting because I, I believe there may be a couple of subtle references to Tarantino and Wright in the film. Like, um, like that moment where, um, Mike Belushi was, um, was, you know, connecting and she went disco. Yeah. Like, that's Pulp Fiction. 100%. That's right from Pulp Fiction. Brooke, and, Brooke picked that up, my husband. He was and, like, and, and, yeah. and also the um the fight scene near the end that's said to, you're just too good to be true. Like, <laughs> yes. that, like, yes, like that, com- that combination of action and soundtrack yes. is textbook Edgar Wright. Absolutely. So that's totally on there. Yeah. And, and by the way, oh my God, I loved her. Oh. She. She was, she was, she was absolute amazing. badass. Yeah. Absolute badass. And I never thought that she could get more so, but then... Okay, spoilers, she ends up getting printed in a half-demon body herself, and it's like, how do you out-cool the coolest <laughs> thing in this movie already? Oh, I know how you can do that, is you can be staple-gunning your head back to, <laughs> back your, to your own neck. <laughs> just oh. sitting there, just casually, as though you're smoking a cigarette. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, it was such a fun film, and I really was so refreshing. That, that was so good. It's just, it, um, it's not always the best idea to be like, um, you know, I recommend this as a film to watch when, you know, to switch your brain off and not think too much about it. But then there's films like this where that's the intention. It, 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 it It's not designed to be looked at all oh, that deeply, okay. other than maybe some commentary in regards to, you know, we're all enslaved by, you know, sure. technology. That's what I mean. Like, they're and, trying to beat us over the head with that. Yeah, exactly. It was, how to put it, for a film as bombastic and loud as this is, the fact that it actually has proper subtlety in what it's saying, like with the references to other filmmakers and and like the commentary it's making on modern technology, that's one hell of a double punch to pull off. Like it really is incredibly balls to the wall insane on one hand, and yet actually slipping some intelligent shit under the radar. That's quite impressive, isn't it? Like. For me, that's the recipe for almost a perfect film. Like that's yeah. why, and that's why I loved things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the original film, and the series. <laughs> because it was, it gave you that like sense of being able to just kind of zone out. But also, there was enough meat in it that you... I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Joss Stone fan. That's just like... Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, sorry. Joss Stone. Joss Whedon. Everything he's done, yeah. you know... I, and everything he's almost said, <laughs> every interview I've read of him, yeah. you know, that, that, there needs to be more of that. I mean, is it really difficult to do? Because it feels like often when, when trying to do that, almost always it, it falls down. And it's, it's like there's a few rare gems that manage to be able to pull that kind of thing yes, off. And- this certainly did pull it off, especially since, like, in terms of its visual aesthetic, it is gorgeously put together. Yes. Like, I really love the reliance on practical effects in order to show off all the technology and 
you know, the actual... Admittedly, the weakest part about this, I think, was the humans possessed by demons because they looked and acted exactly the same as the zombies in Wormwood. It was very zombie-like. Yeah. But well, I, was, I, was, I was able to forgive them. Well, 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 yeah. <laughs> what does a demon do? How does a demon yeah, exactly. act? Especially since, like, the practical effects combined with, you know, the very good use of CGI, especially with, like, the smoke around the wraiths wrapped around the actual practical oh, face yeah. mask and the, the and the um, the suit they used for the demon right at the end. Like, that is very impressive stuff. And it really t- tells a lot to, you know, how these guys operate. It's a matter of, you know, make it... Uh, regardless of how s- silly it all seems, make it seem real by, you know, relying more on practical effects than just computers, which is kind of ironic considering the movie it is. But maybe that's... Because do you think that could be a budgetary thing? I mean, Australia, Australian films generally don't have um, those kind of – and so to make that decision, instead of trying to have, like, half good computer effects – They've gone for that because it's it's going to ring more true. Like it's harder to. Well, the, see, it's the thing. It's I mean, easier to pull off that on a lower budget. I guess. Well, yes, it's like the reason why they started out with a zombie movie is because those are notoriously cheap right, yeah. to make. I mean, it is fairly easy to get realistic looking blood and makeup effects and have that effect work. And as Shaun of the Dead proved. It's not that difficult to pretend to be a zombie <laughs> as much as that probably shouldn't be a thing you should actually try if it does end up happening. <laughs> but and techni- and Necrotronic definitely like factors into that as well. Mm. Although, um, getting back to, you know, describing the film makes you um, sound insane. Mm. I actually tried to test that with um, my mother mm. and explaining it to her. And this should give some insight into like the differences in barriers between us I think I got to explaining all of it and as soon as I got into the 3D printing part what I said was they get shot down with Ghostbusters guns what she thought I was going to say because it was Necrotronic is have sex with a demon and I'm like well admittedly the main characters are called necromancers but just but you're getting the wrong end of the stick here yes it's like how to put it I have seen necromantic I do know that these kinds of films do exist, <laughs> but and yeah. And that, again, case. again, interesting um, choice for the title. Again, is that going to put people off? Are you? Well, 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 it's how, a gamble then. Well, well, how to put it? Swapping out the C for a K is a very 90s move. Is it going to work? Well, honestly, it really depends because... The capacity to like films like this is, well, it requires, like, an understanding of, you know, the means that they had. I mean, this isn't exactly, like, the, the, the flashiest film ever made, mm. as well as, like, the fact that it is born out of the Australian Petri dish, which is a very, like, some people can't even handle the accents, let alone the other you know, yeah. typifiers of our, you know, our, our culture's they, interpretation of cinema. They were probably pretty well aware that this wasn't going to be, you know, a blockbuster hit, yeah. but more of a kind of instant cult classic, if you like. Yeah, exactly. And, like, for people who did, who have seen, I, I think I'm Wormwood is on Netflix still. Yeah, okay. If people have seen that and can vibe with the, you know, we care less about sense than we do about just being fun. If you can vibe with films that aim for that, 
I can easily see getting a, um, working out with Necrotronic, especially since it is very weird to think about being able to transplant the 90s attitude towards virtual reality and bring it to the modern day where virtual reality is a mass-produced thing. Like, yep. l- like what they could barely comprehend like 30 years ago is a thing we all have access to pretty much. Yep, yep. And, exactly. and, and it's very weird thinking of like, no matter how much the technology is updated, some ideas just still resonate in their own way. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, this was um, this was a really exciting film for me. It, it had everything <laughs> that I like in a movie, and the fact that it was Australian added to it for me because I, I, I love Australian. Films. I have to admit, yeah, I do really like um, the Aussie sense of humor. And- yeah the big-ish screen. I don't know if... Uh, this has been doing, like, the festival circuit, I think, so people... If people are lucky enough to see it on the big screen, I totally recommend doing so. Oh, yeah, it would be cool. But, you know, seeing it however you can, because this is the kind of Aussie film that really deserves to, you know, keep going. Because Absolutely. hearing... Um, especially, like, the idea... When I, you know, went to the Q&A screening for Wormwood, and hearing their ideas for the sequel, I'm like... I, I yelled in the cinema, make that fucking movie. <laughs> and I'm really hoping between how good Wormwood seems to be doing and what I really hope is the right crowd finding this movie, yeah. I want the the um the Roach Turner brothers to keep going with this absolutely. stuff because I... Keep going, guys. We love it. Absol- absolutely. And, all right, but how much? Time for the spectrum again. Okay, go. All right, so from... The highest tech cloud computing available today yes. to a wind-up toy. Mm-hmm. First, where would we put Lawnmower Man? Somewhere around a Nokia 2110. Uh, <laughs> aren't those things supposed to be, like, indestructible? Don't they have, like, some proper use? Well, people are still watching it. It's still on YouTube. It's fairly well indestructible, but that doesn't mean it was any good. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right. I, I, I'd probably go with, I think like, it's a 5210. I think I got that wrong. I don't yeah. even remember that. Um, I would probably go with, like, the Virtual Boy, um, Nintendo's attempt oh, yeah. at virtual reality. Okay. Like, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about in terms of, like, the history and the culture that birthed it, but actually using it... Not that fun. <laughs> okay, well, that's pretty much something. Not that fun. All right, well, then. Um, and, and then Necrotronic is like a really, really good PC. Like like a really sturdy one, one that's not going to overheat too much, one you can actually do shit on. It, what? Really? It's good. It's good. I'm <laughs> saying it is very good. I'm saying, like, in terms of, if we're ranking in terms of, like, oh. technology, then yes, this is on the high end of things. Oh, I'm going to go with your cloud computing, um, but also it's free. So <laughs> there's, no, there's no premium version. There's no premium upgrade to premium. It's just all free. <laughs> all right. I, I can actually totally vibe with that. Although, bear in mind, Usually things that are like um, that are that available usually have some bug to them. Well, there's a few bugs. Well, hopefully it's not going to involve being possessed by demons or being turned into a soulless monster from too much time on Twitter, but that might have already happened to me for all I know. Well, he's hoping anyway. Thanks for coming.
Did I hurt again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gonna make the impact. Well, well yeah, gonna make it sound good. What have I done? Oh, stop doing that. There we go. Oh. Well, there you go. I left in a few technical difficulties for you today, just so that you have some idea of what I go through to bring you these pieces of creative genius. <laughs> Anywho, thank you. Once again, for joining us for Movies with Kane and Tar. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Nailed it. <laughs>